Welcome to Equosity, our podcast on all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. We're continuing on with our conversation with Anne Eady. Anne is blind. She uses a miniature horse named Panda as her guide. And last week, we stopped at a point where I was asking Anne about the transition from the command-based training that she was instructed to use with her guide dogs to the cue-based training that was Panda's World. This isn't something that is unique to using a guide horse. If you have come to clicker training from traditional forms of training where you've been told that you need to get tougher with your horse so he'll respect you, I'm sure that this question resonates with you as well. So we'll pick up again right where we left off in last week's conversation. We talked earlier about the, your experience with the guide dogs and that that was command-based training. And then you're transitioning to Panda. Mm. And there I was saying, if you, if you give her a leash pop, I'm going to take her away from you. <laughs> because, you know, with the guide dogs, you were actively, you were told that this is how you had to handle these dogs. Right. So there's so many people who are coming into clicker training from other types of training where they've they've it's been more of a do it or else and where they've got habit patterns that are well established and that when the dog when the the horse does something that they don't like they've been taught a lifetime of learning has gone into i need to correct and this whole I think one of, again, one of my favorite panda stories, and then we can talk about what it's like to make that transition, because I think that's mm. a value for people is to hear about that transition. But early on, as we were training panda, you were very active on the guide dog users list, mm. and there was a lot of skepticism. I think mm. that's a mild way of putting it. <laughs> um, there was a lot of skepticism, and people would say, so um, we get this idea of, all right, you're going to use clicker training to teach her about obstacles and avoiding uh, overheads, et cetera, et cetera. But what do you do in, the real, in real training situations when she makes a mistake? And you had emailed and said, but Panda doesn't make mistakes. And there's all this sputtering coming back. And... At the time that that dialogue, that that email exchange was going on, again, we were, it was at the time of the equine affair, and you and Panda had gone with us uh, over to the equine affair, and through the course of the day that Panda guided you um, around this very crowded, very complex environment, and then she also served as my demo horse in the course of the day, and and she didn't make mistakes. She was great in taking you through this environment, and when we had uh, some time early in the morning, we had gone out together, and I had looked for all sorts of 
fun obstacles to challenge the two of you with, including a loading dock. Would she walk you over the edge of the loading dock? No, she didn't. Because <laughs> that's sort of simulating a train platform. Mm-hmm. There are certain things it's hard to, to train on because you don't have access to them. Well, there's a loading dock. Let me make use of it. And another one, oh, it was a great obstacle. We were walking back towards the barn area and we had to cross the road to get from the sidewalk that we were on to the barns. And there was a gooseneck trailer parked uh, along the edge of the road. And and I told you to stop and you stopped Panda. And I said, now we're gonna turn here. And of course I'm not saying, and there's a trailer there. I'm not saying a word because I wanna see what Panda's going to do. And so I said, we're gonna cross here. And so you turned and you, you were at the curb and you told Panda to go forward. And Panda stepped off the curb and she's starting to lead you right under the gooseneck part of the gooseneck trailer. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you're gonna get hit in the forehead and I've got to do something about this. And before I could open my mouth, Panda had slammed on the brakes, looked up at the gooseneck which is way above her head, but right at the level of your forehead, did this sort of double take of, where in the world did that come from? How did I miss that? And backed you up away from the gooseneck. It was just gorgeous. And and so she'd done all of that through the course of the day. And then in the evening, we decided that she'd done enough. So we left her in a stall and we went out to dinner and you went sided guide, which means that one of us, you took our elbow and that we were to guide you from the car up over the curb of the sidewalk to the, past the, the lamppost into the, the restaurant. And you got tripped over the, the, the curb, walked into the fence, the, the light post, slammed into the door. I mean, we made so many mistakes. And, and your comment after this, as you were describing this to the guide dog users list she said you know I don't think it would have helped them to guide me better if I had punished them for running me into a fence post that this punishing the animals for making a mistake doesn't make sense right and it just makes everybody more uh, stressed and tense and worried and having less fun and and it really was, you know, when they would say, but what do you do if she overruns a curb? And I'd say, well, she hasn't done that. And for anything else, it, uh, you know, I really took to heart the if the animal makes a mistake. It's because you haven't trained those circumstances well enough for them to understand what they're supposed to do or what you want them to do in that environment so in that situation so if she made a mistake i didn't say uh she's disrespecting me or she's trying to get back at me for doing this or that you know or that she's trying to get me to give her a treat or that by punishing her when she doesn't know what to do that next time she'll know what to do yeah which makes you know zero sense so you the if she makes a mistake you back up and you represent and you do it. You look at it as a training opportunity, not as a, a mistake, yeah. or not as a, a deliberate uh, disobedience. Right. How do I approach this again so that 
this time she can understand what to do. Then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people, you know, say the strangest things about their, their dogs. You know, my dog is lazy. If I don't keep correcting him, he'll take the easy way out or he'll, you know, try to get away with something. He'll, he's testing me. All of these things that don't make any sense from a training point of view. And they're still very, even today, you know, a lot of people complain that the dogs from Michelle Pouliot's uh, agency, that you have to carry treats all the time. And who wants to have to carry treats all the time? And do you have to do this even after you bring them home? <laughs> you know, the, uh, you expect to have a trained dog when you come home. It's you... funny, huh? that moralistic resistance. Oh, to yes, it's very much, treats. very much. So it's very often, it's one of the first things people who come into clicker training, they ask, well, how long am I going to have to give treats? Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's like, well, you don't have to give them. You can certainly reduce, but do you even want to reduce giving reinforcement? I don't have that problem of thinking, you know, I want to be as cheap as possible with <laughs> my animal. But they don't see it that way. They just, there seems to be something wrong if the animal is you know, they say the animal is working for food and they shouldn't have to work for food, that praise should be enough, you know? Yeah, well, that's a big myth, huh? that, that animals should work for humans' pleasure. They don't seem to have a problem with maintaining corrections. No. No, no. no they can be very generous with that. Yeah. It's good training. It's legit. Food is not legit. Yeah, so they, they'll question, when do I get to stop reinforcing with the food? But they never say, when do I get to stop correcting my dog? That's right. You know, That's or my weird, horse. But I think I think abundance is part of uh, the good life. Yes, yes. Why why not be generous with our animals? Why, why try to be as cheap as possible? I don't understand that. I love saying thank you. Me too, and I don't feel that that resistance. You know, I I give carrots, and I'm proud of it, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> and I, I don't really feel that. I know for panda, food is very important. <laughs> she'll she'll uh, do a lot for food, which is great. <laughs> it is, but I don't feel that that's her only reinforcer reinforcer and mm -hmm. she certainly likes to work and likes to play and she considers the whole clicker experience to be play you know she I, we taught her to retrieve and she loves to retrieve i have never understood why people say that dogs you know it's hard to teach them to retrieve a lot of the uh, the guide dog schools have stopped training their dogs to retrieve at all because they say it's hard on the instructors and it's hard on the dogs. Of course, the way they teach it, it's hard on everybody. They don't like it, but Panda, it took her about, what, 30 seconds to get the idea of retrieving the first time we... Uh, we taught her to retrieve during the, a the session with the camera. Man. Right, because the camera, <laughs> he, was, he was setting up the camera in your living room and mm -hmm. he wanted the light to be just right and just perfect and this that and the other thing and it was so it was, and and panda was in the house and we wanted to teach her something and so while he was setting up his equipment we taught her to retrieve and then he was really intrigued by that and wanted a picture of it and 
So you have this brand new behavior. She's just starting to learn to bring objects to your hand. And now he wants to get a photo of Panda delivering your keys to your hand, but the camera had to be set up with just the right focus and angle yes. and setting, et cetera, et cetera. Distance on and a tripod and, and right. So <laughs> so your hand had to be at a particular height. You couldn't go to Panda, you couldn't help Panda, you couldn't do anything. You had to hold your hand still so that it would be in focus for the camera and Panda was to bring the keys to your hand. Brand new behavior and she did it. Yeah. Over and over and over again. And not only that, but she learned to pick up the strangest things like Things credit that were, cards. yeah, credit card that was flat on the floor. Wow. You know, I'm thinking, oh, she's not going to be able to pick that up, you know. But she did. <laughs> she would hand me pieces of paper, you know, anything that, that she she found. Definitely not under total stimulus control. But then, you know, the environment is part of the cue. So and now she, I mean, she just loves to retrieve. And I'll do it in, in her house sometimes if she's bored and needs a little mental stimulation. I'll drop the brush while I'm brushing her and she'll go pick it up and hand it to me or I'll, I'll uh, toss uh, my keys or a, she a metal the, clip. Or, she picks up the lead for you. Oh yeah, I'm always, uh, I'll always <laughs> drop the lead because sometimes when you're out and you're walking around and you're you're, uh, or you're even just standing still or what whatnot, our clumsy people will sometimes reach for something or forget that we're holding on to the lead and you drop the leash and you know there's panic oh dear my animal is loose what am I going to do you know how am I going to get it back is my recall going to work today that sort of thing but she'll always pick up the leash and hand it to me so <laughs> here you dropped something yeah you dropped you dropped this you silly human <laughs> you know? so uh and she loves doing that and uh, now she's she's taken to um, she she taught me to to drop the I use a a brush and a and a dustpan to to clean up her stall and because uh, we don't need shovels and rakes when the horse is panda size I use the, you know the dustpan and brush and uh, so I taught her to to pick up the brush and hand it to me when I leave it somewhere in her stall she'll she'll bring that to me. And then I thought, well, I wonder if she can pick up this dustpan because it's really a you know a rather clumsy object. It's large and it's flat and it's has you know edges. And if she picks it up in a certain way, it's going to go up in front of her face, and she's not going to be able to see where she's going. You know, as I'm wondering, is she going to be able to pick this up and hand it to me? Well, she figured out how to do that, and uh, she likes it. She thinks it's it's an interesting thing. So now when I'm cleaning up her stall and she's finished drinking as much water as she wants which she always does while I'm cleaning up her stall and I bring her a fresh uh, cup of tea as I call it because it's war- she likes warm water so I have to bring her nice fresh warm water to drink and she has her nice drink and then she'll come into the stall and she'll start she'll if I'm still working cleaning up her shavings and whatnot she she will come over and try to take the uh, dustpan <laughs> out of my hand so that she can hand it to me. <laughs> it's like, I'm ready to play now. So it's really, you know, such a, as I say, it's such a two-way communication that she can tell me so much about what she wants to do. You know, I know, uh, for example, the other day, the um, or a couple of weeks ago, the vet came and, and, and gave her her, uh, her shots and uh, the next day I came in and was wanting to play 
with her and so I you know dropped something a brush or my keys I can't remember what it was but some object and normally she would pick it up and hand it to me and she didn't and I knew from that that her neck was sore from the shot so as I say it's it's such a having this whole system is such a, a system of communication it it really lets me know what's going on with her it's clearly a joyful joyful relationship yeah but I want to get back to that earlier question of, so in the very beginning of this, when you were transitioning from the guide dogs, where you'd been actively taught, told you need to use corrections, and you have that habit pattern in your body, and now you're handed Panda, and you've got her harness, what was it like? Was it hard at times not to suddenly find yourself going into old habit patterns. So for people who are making that transition now from correction-based training into clicker training, what can you say to them coming from your experience of going from the correction-based guide dog training into the cue-based? Well, I'd say remembering the times when just you know at the beginning when you were starting to work with panda and then every once in a while you would say to me you know let's Let's in 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 controlled environment let's see what she's doing like uh, walking along a path in the golf course yep and i had not walked with panda very much at all at that point and she didn't really know me and uh so i would pick up the harness and she would kind of wander around and I couldn't feel much direction in in her movements through the harness and so we you know we would walk off the side of a of the path or uh, she would just stop or whatever and it I wasn't getting clear signals and I didn't know what to do at first because you know I knew I wasn't supposed to correct but I didn't know you know, I wasn't going to click and treat. So what was I going to do? What, what what was the thing? And, you know, basically it was, well, she needs more training. And she, she hasn't, isn't able to generalize from one person to another. And she hasn't had the experience of working with a, a blind person. You're going to get different input and you're going to get different feedback. So she hadn't had that yet. So it took a while for us to develop that. And that different feedback is really an interesting one because I know when I was working with her, I would make every effort to have her guide me. But I can see what's in front of us. And so even though I wasn't aware that I was giving subtle cues, I was. For sure. And I remember when I started walking with her with my eyes closed, there was a a stretch where I had my eyes closed, everything felt great, and we were going along really nicely, and I was feeling really fairly comfortable and confident that things were going well. And the next thing I know, I'm barking my shins against something, and I'd fallen forward because I would had run into something I wasn't expecting and I opened my eyes and there I was sort of tripping over somebody's front doorstep and Panda had 
veered across the road, gone up their driveway, up their sidewalk to their front door. And I hadn't realized that's what she had done at all. And what I started to realize is that I have a slight twist that takes me off to the right. But when I'm with my eyes open, I compensate for that. Mm -hmm. And Panda reads that compensation and tracks a straight line. But without that visual information, I wasn't compensating. And Panda was following me. So she wasn't guiding at all. And I, I remember feeling so discouraged. I was thinking, all oh, these months of work, and this is what it's come to, and we have nothing here. And you, you feel discouraged, and then you come up with a training plan. And that's when I really started working with my eyes closed, but teaching her actively to find the edge and to stay on the edge without that visual information. And it just shows you how subtle cues are. So when, when I say, you know, cues evolve out of the shaping process and you can't not cue, this is a great example of that because I would not have said, I would have said I was not cueing mm -hmm. the straight line. But and I was. looking at something, you, that is in your body, your visual contact with that distant object, yes. whatever you're looking at, creates a whole constellation of cues in your body yep. that then cues panda of where you want to go or where straight is look to your fence that's what you know we tell riders you know yeah. look where you're going look where you want to ride to right so and it reminds me of what uh, kathy sadao always emphasizes about eye contact and put on your dark glasses or whatever so the dog doesn't see where you're looking because that's a cue, you know, those kinds of things. So if you don't want that to be part of your cue, you have to... But you're still looking at it. Yeah, yeah. so, so you know, you're so probably I, still... Right, you know, so still I may be wearing dark glasses, <laughs> but I'm still looking straight ahead. Mm. And so my body is going to be giving information about where I'm looking. Yeah. So you may not be able to see my eyeballs, but you can see where my head is oriented and you can see the effect that that has on the rest of my body. You can't not cue. So at that early point in training, I knew that correction wasn't the answer and that training was the answer. So that was, that was the difference. It wasn't... That's a huge statement. We have to say that again. Correction huh. was not the answer training more training was mm -hmm. the answer that needs to be underlined 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 and and that's very important because it you know it made a whole a difference in my whole mindset my attitude towards the working relationship it meant that it wasn't my failure if the animal made a mistake and it wasn't her failure if she made a mistake it was just a lack of training. It was just a training issue. We had to go back and train it. So I no longer had to be a policeman. I could relax, enjoy the training, and it, as you know, because I used to walk with Panda to, to the boarding barn where we had our horses every night, once I did have Panda full-time, and I would arrive happy, smiling, relaxed, where when I was working with my second and third guide dogs that I got, my German Shepherds that I got, that I really wanted a German Shepherd, that I would arrive stressed 
and white knuckled, <laughs> white knuckled, and just relieved to have gotten there safely. Yeah. <laughs> And when you arrived with Panda, there was a stretch where they were doing major construction at the high school. So Mm -hmm. you were going through a construction zone. Right. You were going through, one day there'd be a sidewalk, the next day there wouldn't. Right. There'd be holes and things dug up and open uh, holes where they hadn't even thought to put anything around them because nobody thinks about pedestrians in the suburbs. Right. And there were the heavy, the, and there the were big loud equipment, equipment loud. and so I couldn't hear. You know, I got no environmental cues from the auditory because everything was masked by the loud uh, machinery. And a lot of times there weren't even construction guys there on foot who could you could ask to uh, escort me around the areas that were torn up, or even to ask a question: Can I? Is it okay to go across here? You know, those kinds of things. So it was really, it could have been a stressful situation, but the the clicker training and Panda's confidence and understanding of what her job was because of the clicker training. Because I walked, I walked with, I walked with you a couple times just to to see and to take pictures. Mm -hmm. And you'd have this this environment that was completely torn up, that the normal landmarks were not there. It was just rubble. We've all seen Yeah, Panda wasn't areas. doing things by rote. She was not doing things to say like a color by numbers or paint by numbers kind of thing where you go from one to two to three to four to five. She is always evaluating and planning ahead and looking at alternatives and thinking things out. She's she's not just like the trail horses who, you know, the hacks that Follow the no matter behind, what, yeah. right, or no matter what you tell them are, are going to, you know, walk here, trot here, turn here, and uh, make the circuit and get back to the barn. Yeah. And I suspect that she arrives at the destination smiling too and is not going under the table to hide and avoid. Oh, true. Yeah. True, true. I remember once seeing, I can't remember if it was before clicker training for me or not, but it doesn't matter. I saw once someone in a wheelchair that were not blind mm-hmm. and they had a Labrador and they were waiting at the corner of a street for the light to turn green. And it was so obvious that the dog hated being there and wanted nothing to do in a way. The body language of the dog was like, I would rather be somewhere else. I don't like being with this person. It was very, very obvious. And I thought, how Mm -hmm. sad. Because these two, I mean, they're partners for a long time and they're really, you know, they should be relying on each other. But the feeling I was getting from that dog made me so sad. I would definitely hope that what you would get watching Panda would be the polar opposite of that. You asked earlier if Panda ever vocalizes. And one of the things I found is that with the clicker training, a lot of our horses vocalize. And I hear vocalizations that I don't think I'd ever really heard in horses before. There's all these sort of chortling and chuckling and that horses do and I just yep. I love it. Oh yeah. And Panda has this lovely little trill of a whinny that she uses only when she's vocalizing to Anne. And that's as a greeting mm-hmm. when I go out to her house in the morning or 
you know, anytime I go out to her house, if she's not busy eating, <laughs> she will, she gives me that nice greeting. It's just delightful. There's so many lessons that this little horse has taught us and that she shares. She's an extraordinary, extraordinary individual. And hopefully she will be teaching us for many, many, many years to come. But I suspect at this point, we should think about winding down the conversation. We can certainly return to this again, but I suspect at this point that it's time to say we've talked about Panda quite enough and it's time to go to the big horses because they will be wondering why we haven't been talking about them and they're waiting for us at the barn. So, Well, thank you so much and it was great chatting with you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been fun. Yeah. So we'll definitely do it again. And for now, we'll just say goodbye and next week we'll have another conversation. So thank you. Bye. So this wraps up our conversation with Anne. I added some photos and a short video clip to the library that shows Anne and Panda navigating their way through the construction zone at the high school. It's impressive guiding. Go to equosity.com and log into the library to view them. And next time, we'll be starting a new conversation series. So until then, have fun with your training. <laughs>